Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of Kenya Airways Flight 507. Thanks for listening. Yep, I'm using the right mic. That's what really counts. (laughs) How many times do you think our darling listeners would tolerate me using just just the laptop mic accidentally (laughs) (laughs) i think uh i think all of them i think all all the times for all the reasons well i love you guys too (laughs) but i try to remember and (laughs) i have medicine to treat my adhd now so it really makes a difference um today we're doing uh a requested flight that i was not familiar with and um immediate apologies to everyone else who has requested flights that we haven't done (laughs) but um especially everyone who's requested uh united 232 that is my favorite story my favorite aviation story and so i am hoarding it um but i also (laughs) want to do it it's just my favorite so Um, but we had our boy Pierre. Hi, Pierre. Uh, who uh, takes beautiful pictures, by the way. We're going to um, post some of the beautiful photography that he sent us. Um, and he requested uh, Kenyan Airways 507. And uh, <laughs> once again, <laughs> we are firmly in the modern era. <laughs> we are in... <laughs> 2007 all right gotta start digging into more of those like (laughs) those earlier flights or no one will believe us when we say flying is safe um (laughs) but uh we're going to may 5th 2007 um and we are in a brand new sweet baby 737 brand new off the rack fresh crisp 737 it is literally not even six months old yet uh kenyan airways is a partner with singapore airlines and uh singapore airlines like facilitated and it's not super clear to me because i don't know the machinations of these airlines but um the plane literally was like done in October of 2006 and it was delivered to Kenyan Airlines or Kenya Ken, blah, 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 Kenyan Airlines in I keep saying airlines and it's airways guys I'm sorry airways. it's one of those days okay. Kenyan it's Airways okay. 507 um it was delivered to Kenyan Airways in uh literally October still October of 2006 so it's just sweet baby brand new plane everything about it is new and it's a 737-800 usually i don't bother with the last couple numbers um but it's uh, a little bit relevant in this case so Mm. uh our plane is going from abidjan in cote d'ivoire to um douala in cameroon to nairobi in kenya so hop 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 um, that last leg from Douala in Cameroon to Nairobi is in the six-hour range. Little, not not a super short flight. It's a healthy, healthy little flight, um, mm. like a full shift of waitressing. <laughs> um, and we've got a uh, hundred and fourteen souls on board. So uh, we've got hundred and eight passengers. 
uh, for flight attendants to pilots. And our pilots are Captain Francis and First Officer Andrew. And uh, Francis is 52 and has a solid experience, uh, 8,500 hours of experience of, you know, flight time. And Andrew is like the plane, new to the game. He's got 831 <laughs> hours. So, okay. yeah, we've got a uh, fresh first officer and a fresh plane. Uh, the flight from Cote d'Ivoire to uh, Douala in Cameroon was uneventful. Straightforward flight, not too bad. Mm-hmm. For that leg, there were only 17 passengers, so nice. Uh, they uh, yeah. arrived, but as they arrived, they, were, they flew into uh, pretty bad weather around the Douala airport. Um, like pretty pretty bad uh like thunder lightning pretty bad rain so when they landed they didn't just turn around and take off again um they landed around 10 p.m at night so it's not nice right you've got a thunderstorm outside it's dark not good conditions um they loaded up their passengers for the outbound flight but they didn't take off right away and uh, most airlines don't have a ton of planes waiting to take off that late at night. Um, even, you know, really any airline by by 10 p.m., you're mostly done yeah. under normal circumstances. But with the severe weather, we've got uh, three planes there. So we've got a Royal Air Maroc flight, a Cameroon Airlines flight, and we've got our boys in the uh, Kenyan Airways flight. Uh, so they're all the the weather is such that they are not forbidden from taking off, but the crew of all three of these aircraft are using their best judgment that the weather is too severe. So they're waiting to take off. They're waiting for the weather to improve. Mm. And after a couple hours, the Royal Emirat crew is still like, no, weather's still too bad. The Cameroon Airways uh, crew is still like, no, the weather's too bad. Our boys in our brand new 737 are like, oh, no. you know what? We've waited long enough. The weather has improved some. Let's go for it. And I don't know what happened in their brain. It's midnight now. But they decided they were good to go, and they just went. They did not get cleared for takeoff. They didn't talk to air traffic control. They didn't do an instrument scan, meaning they it's it's pitch black out, and it's thunder and lightning and raining. They they it's totally dark. Uh, So you need to like scan your instruments, make sure that everything is square because your instruments are your eyes. You are not going to be able to look out your window and get a, you know, visual reference point to know what's, you know, where you are in space. So I don't know what happened, but they just took off without talking to anybody or telling anyone what they were doing. Okay, so now they've taken off. And there's a little uh, a quirk 
of the 737-800 of this particular aircraft where it will tend to bank right just a little bit, like just a little bit. It's, it's um, now we know that the reason is probably that the flaps are, are just a little different on each, um, on the right side from the left side. So when the flaps are extended, like they are for takeoff and landing, uh, the plane will just bank just, just a hair to the right. And that's not a big deal under normal circumstances because uh, someone is flying the, the plane, right? So if you imagine anybody who's ever driven a car, right, you know that if your car is out of alignment, um, you know, it, it, it's a big deal if you take your hands off the wheel, but right. if you are just driving your car, it's not like you're struggling to get down the road, right? You can you can drive in a straight line because you're driving the car. Although, incidentally, right. if your car's out of alignment, do you yourself and your tires a favor and like try to get that taken care of, champ? Because it will yeah. ruin your tires. But yeah, so and your so life this, eventually. Right. It's just ugh, tires are more expensive than than an alignment you know yeah um but so the it's just it's doing the thing it's like banking just just a hair just like one degree very 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 small bank bank meaning that the right wing is pointing down just a tiny bit more and the left wing is pointing up just a little bit more so a little tiny baby roll but the captain is in command so francis is flying the plane they take off He's uh, holding the controls, which means that he's holding the plane in level flight as they're ascending. And uh, as he ascends, he they get to around a thousand feet above the ground, and he uh, let let go, let go of the controls. Oh no! And. The plane keeps ascending, and the uh, first officer, they're, they're focusing on inputting directions for the autopilot into the autopilot so that they can fly. It will fly them around the bad weather, the worst of the weather. They're like looking at the radar. They're trying to, you know, basically decide the best spot to kind of cut through the worst of the storm. And so the first officer is focused on programming the autopilot and the captain is not holding the controls. So because he has let go, uh, the bank angle is just, it's back again, right? It's like, oh, just, just slightly leaning to the right, just a little bit. Oh, um, the weather's still pretty bad. So no one's, nobody's controlling the plane. The autopilot has not been engaged. Uh, okay. 18 seconds after Francis let go of the controls, he says, okay, command. That might be an indication that he's turned on the autopilot, or it might be him telling Andrew to turn on the autopilot, but Andrew doesn't respond. Under normal circumstances, Andrew would repeat that back to him, right? And, right. you know, he would repeat the same thing back. And then and somebody would turn on the autopilot, but nobody turns on the autopilot. I don't know if somebody 
tried to hit the button and didn't, whatever happened, the autopilot is not on. And Andrew doesn't respond to the command. Maybe he's focusing too heavily on, you know, inputting the uh, instructions for the autopilot that he doesn't hear him. Maybe whatever. He doesn't say anything. So we still don't have anyone flying the plane, right? We still don't have, there are no human hands on the controls and there is no plane hand on the controls. The autopilot is not on. So the plane is slowly, slowly, slowly banking a little more, a little more, a little more to the right. It's dark and storming outside. There is no visual reference. The pilots cannot look out their windows and see that the plane is tilting. It's not possible. There's nothing outside their windows. Um, The way that you would know that was happening, right, are you would feel it or you would look at your instruments. You would scan your instruments, right? right? And but when a bank, I know we've talked about this in other contexts, but when there's a bank angle that's very slow and very gradual, your ear, my ear, all of our ears will adjust and our brains will tell us this is level. And that I'm sure serves us well in some contexts, but does not when you're flying a plane. So they feel physically 100%. Their senses, their body tells them that they're in level flight, but they're not. The plane is banking more and more and more and more to the right. The other way they would know that, the, the, the way they could find that out would be to scan their instruments, but they don't do that. Right. And this is, again, happening fast. We're like one minute from takeoff. We're not we're not that far out. Um, For the next 55 seconds. There is no autopilot. There is no human hand on the controls. The plane is just banking more and more and more to the right. At a 34 degree bank the plane will speak up and say something, right? So a 34-degree bank, which isn't crazy. Like a 34-degree right. bank is is too much bank, especially when you don't want any bank, when you want to be in level <laughs> flight. But it's not like it's not like your stuff is like flying around the cabin. It's not, right. um, I don't know what the passengers, the passengers are, again, they're physically not going to feel it, but they might have some more visual reference if they have like a cup in their hand because the water will tilt and things like that but but you don't feel it so at 34 degree bank the bank angle warning sounds the audible warning which is just a a voice a recorded voice saying bank angle bank angle Mm. when captain francis hears this warning he panics He grabs the controls and he whips them to the left, which is there's something accurate in that. So he did at at a minimum know which way the plane had banked. So he probably Mm. when he heard the audio, the auditory warning, he probably looked at the uh, the 
horizon that they have right, right there of the instruments and knew he knew that he needed to correct to the left but he pulled like ripped the controls to the left and then he ripped them to the right and then he pulled them left again and then tilted them just a bit right so he whoop 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 back and forth back and forth and as he's doing that right so that's that's not correcting the problem that's making the problem worse right the they uh the because he's gone back and forth back and forth the plane doesn't correct and actually banks more to the right ultimately until it gets to a 50 degree bank angle which again Jeez. too much bank still still something that pilots can handle right, right. so he now at this moment activates the autopilot which in a better world would be the end of this story because right, the autopilot right. can absolutely correct a 50 degree bank angle. But anybody who has panicked and been really scared knows what that's like. Time, yeah. your sense of time is not accurate. And the, the plane, the autopilot obviously doesn't immediately correct the bank angle. And so he turns on the autopilot, but then immediately puts in rudder uh like the rudder controls meaning like the the where your the foot pedals that they have Pedals, to control the rudder and he goes like bam 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 back and forth on the the pedals and again that not only does not help but it also cancels the autopilot because it's such an extreme maneuver so the the autopilot is overridden and canceled by those intense directions francis says we're crashing and andrew says right yeah we're crashing and andrew this whole time hasn't said anything francis keeps making these erratic controls andrew andrew is making while francis is making these erratic controls andrew is making at the same time almost exactly opposite controls Um. andrew seems to actually have a stronger sense of what's going on based on his control inputs but they're opposing control inputs to what francis is doing so they're canceling each other out andrew calls out like right captain left 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 correction left like he he is trying to get the captain to do the same thing that he's doing the captain engages the autopilot again but by now the plane is at 115 degree bank and that is not recoverable with the autopilot it is too late the plane was only at this point not even 3,000 feet above the ground. The wow. plane at the, starts to like nose down and banking, so they're losing any ability to correct the bank, the, to just to level themselves out. But they're also, it's disorienting. It's disorienting if you look at your visual horizon and it's brown and like all it's showing you is like the ground as the plane is is turning in the air until it's nose down and they are not that far above the ground. The plane spirals and crashes into a mangrove Three miles from the runway. Wow. They never communicated 
anything to air traffic control. They didn't tell air traffic control they were taking off. They didn't tell air traffic control they were in the air. They didn't tell air traffic control they were in trouble. There was no communication from from the air traffic control tower's perspective. There were three planes, and then one of them was gone. Jeez. And it's midnight. Right. And it's a thunderstorm. And now it's crashed. And now it's crashed. So the next day, locals who live near where the plane crashed, uh, actually are the ones who led the uh, rescue services over to the plane. When they found it, there were no survivors. Everybody died. The plane was smashed, but also, I don't know if everybody knows what a mangrove is. It's like a very unique ecosystem that forms in like um, very special aquatic conditions and then mangrove trees are like a really cool tree they're cool ecosystems but the point is that the the plane had had was had hit the ground so hard it hit the mangrove so hard that it had like sunk into the mud it's shallow water and mud so the plane was just submerged in mud and so it yeah took it was going to take a while to get everything out the this happened in Cameroon. Uh, Cameroon has uh, the Cameroonian Civil Aviation Authority. They have their investigative body. Um, they also uh, got a go team from the NTSB. Um, a mm-hmm. Boeing is an American uh, plane manufacturer, and um, so the first thought that they had, based on the circumstances, was maybe uh, the plane had suffered double engine failure because of the severe weather like if they had gone through a pocket of weather that was so bad that it had uh put out the fire in the engines like actually snuffed out the flame and that they had tried to glide back and had stalled while they were trying to glide back and crashed because the plane did did stall and it that is what happened. So when they see a plane that has crashed because it has stalled, they they right. thought that uh, maybe that's what it was, which would be serious. That's not good, right? Like that would be serious, right. and and Boeing would need to know about that if that's one of the things their planes is vulnerable to. Um, they found the black box, so the the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder. Um, Pretty pretty much right away. They found that on May 7th. So the crash happened on May, well, just after midnight on May 5th. Um, the They found the plane on May 6th, and they found the uh, black box on May 7th. So they found it yes. pretty fast. But then the actual investigation took a long time. So when they found the flight data recorder, they didn't release the report until 2010, I believe, which is, that's a long time to wait for answers, you know? Yeah, years, yeah. And the, uh, they sent the black box, I do not know why this is, I couldn't find out why it was, but they sent it to the, um, to Canada. They had the Canadian, the Transportation Safety Board, um, look at it. I don't know why. Nice. But um, yeah, um, but they they uh, all like teamed up to go through the data in this incredibly short flight. And 
one of the things that they noticed was that the, we've talked about this before, but the crew resource management, right? So I've just told you the story of what happened, right? So, but the, the captain did seem to panic, right? He seemed to in some way be functioning as if the autopilot was on, but it was not on. He didn't follow the procedures. They didn't ask air traffic control if they could take off. That's like, right. that's, that's a big one. Like, that's not good. And Andrew, based on his inputs, did seem to know what was happening. So that's a crew resource management is, is a fancy way of saying they need to work together, right? The first officer and the captain have to work together. It's basically right. the... um the concept that was devised to get away from the idea of like a very strict hierarchy where the captain yeah. is the boss and you don't question him because that's extremely dangerous because sometimes because right. captains are people. Right. And right. they listened to the, the recording from that first flight, the flight that they took together from Cote d'Ivoire to Cameroon. And on that flight, if like Andrew made any mistakes like small tiny mistakes francis had just berated him and when they asked other people i don't want to speak ill of the dead but he he was famously at the airport other first officers said that he was very harsh if you made a mistake and so the mindset that they thought that might have put andrew in is is to be afraid to say something you know, and be afraid to make a mistake or be afraid to, you know, question Francis. And both of them, when they look at, they always look at, and this is what's so, I don't know, embarrassing to me about things like this. Like, I feel so, like, such secondhand embarrassment, but, like, both of them hadn't done very good in their training. Like, they had done good enough. They were commercial pilots. But they, they both had, like, struggled in the areas that were relevant to what happened on this flight yeah and and they were they skipped steps you know and again i don't i'm not i i have no interest in tearing them down at all they're i i can't drive a car well you know what i mean but but, (laughs) right right but like they they did not have the skills they needed to handle this and they didn't have the relationship like the professional relationship to figure it out together and that's sad that's so sad that is Mm. oof i know that's so sad because i was sitting here thinking this whole time like why didn't why wasn't he saying anything Mm -hmm. like he was just silent yeah oh that's terrible God, and like, I just, I don't know, I think about the fear. Like, I'm, we've yeah. all been in those situations where we have those people in our life where, like, they just, like, they, I don't know, they just overpower you. And it's yeah that, like, sheer panic in those moments when you know you're right and he's, like, trying to do everything he can to right. literally save his life. And he just right. he can't and could yeah. have prevented it probably if he would have just said something. But also understandable why he wouldn't have you know right that's that's why it's like a lose-lose 100 percent. 
Right. Like I have no, again, truly no desire to like demonize the captain. No, of course not. That, that way of like that style of being a boss or like leadership where like where you're, um, highly critical. That's, I know that there's like a very select segment of the population that really believes in that and actually thinks that it's like the right way to be. And like, listen, champ, if that's you, I'm sorry that your parents were mean to you, (laughs) but like it actually is not good. Okay. Like I really am sorry. Cause I know that we don't like, we don't develop the idea that being as mean as possible is like the way to be without things going a little wrong for you. right? Right. 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 But like that, that way of it it makes people afraid to speak up it makes people do a worse job it just doesn't nobody works better panicked nobody people don't do better work when they're freaked out right like that doesn't it's not effective and and it's not like you have to choose between that and and people being sloppy or people not doing what they're supposed to do. And in fact, in this case, unfortunately, sloppiness and and being unkind to your subordinates can go hand in hand. You don't right. they're not mutually exclusive right. in any way. They don't counteract one another. Right. But yeah. Damn. I know. But that Damn. That, um, that story, I, I mean, the, I, I don't know if, so loss of spatial awareness is part of it. And I know we always like harp on this, but that is this, this kind of baseline, the intense difficulty of being a human body. And needing to disregard what you are physically experiencing, what you are, what your senses are telling you and listen to your instruments, right? That that is incredibly psychologically difficult. And yeah, like panic is a big part of this, right? It's not, it's spatial disorientation, but it's, it's also the the way that yeah panic makes time move differently and so he didn't just wait for the autopilot to correct the problem right and he knew he wasn't that far away from the ground again they're professional pilots they they knew that they were not in a position where they had a ton of time to correct what was happening and and again, nothing was happening, right? Like, and and cause to go to the other end of this, right? In fact, almost nothing was wrong, and that's part of what's sad. Almost nothing was wrong with this this situation. The plane was slightly banked. That it from by any measure, yeah, should have been easily corrected. Any one of us could one hundred percent have been on a plane that had this like happen, and. And then nothing happened, right? Maybe the right. plane went, did a little like, whoop, and you know, like you might have <laughs> right. felt like a little, a little something, and then you got to where you were going, right? Right. But I don't know. Panic and is bad. Is it, yeah. Right. Exactly. 
but is it is it clear it's not clear about the first um like situation where they thought the co-pilot was on like yeah, isn't it pretty so, clear that the co-pilot's not on though so the the autopilot was definitely not on the question i guess is and I'm, the reason i'm calling it a question is because i have literally seen people describe it differently and i have seen like in analysis and mm. it's not clear to me because i'm not a pilot and i and i know that there's differences in airline you know how how airlines especially airlines in other countries like communicate right and like what yeah. their things mean so if tell me if i've misunderstood you but if i'm understanding you you're asking about when the captain said like okay command yeah. Was he telling the first officer to turn the air, what turn the um, autopilot on, or was he saying he had turned it on? Right. Yeah. That. Well. Is yeah. A, right. Yeah. Uh, my understanding, and again, by all means, correct me, please, people out there. But my understanding is that, in theory, it should be his, like, the captain's job to turn the air, the air, the the autopilot on yeah because he was the pilot in command he was the one flying the plane but i don't know if whether that was the thing is is whether or not that was in order or a statement of his own intention um he didn't it fell apart after that right right like andrew right. did not respond to him did not confirm, did not turn the autopilot on. The captain didn't turn the autopilot on and it wasn't on. And the other thing is that the captain, that was, that was, I mean, 18 seconds is like simultaneously a long time and a very short time. Right. right. So right. he did let go of the controls and not insignificant amount of time before he said anything about the autopilot. And right. then he didn't, yeah, he didn't make sure it was on. This, I mean, I, again, I think that I people yeah. who, people who approach this differently, right, which I, and I don't criticize you for that, will just say like, no, these are like the worst pilots ever. And they crashed a yeah. brand new plane and, and killed a lot of people, right? And I, that is not an inappropriate attitude to take. Yeah. That is an accurate statement. Um. I uh, I guess I just that's also the end of the conversation, and I feel like I have more to say about it. <laughs> but <laughs> that's you know, fair, right? Yeah. yeah. No, exactly, exactly. <sighs> but yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's just the saddest. I like I don't know. That would be horrifying as a family member mm. of someone who died there, or like any oh. pilots or crew's family. Like that's just right that's i don't know right i don't know i guess it's like easier to justify things justify other situations or you know this one if just... something's like wrong with the aircraft like if something has right. actually gone wrong exactly right exactly yeah. and instead of it just being like you know just a lot of mistakes pretty quickly and right like, well yeah. you know that panic reaction in response right. right yeah that kind of i mean i would say that it's pretty or i don't know it my my personal guess is that clearly 
something was like off kilter because they took off without permission from air traffic control. That is like such an oversight, right? That's such an extreme oversight. And I don't know if they were, I, 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 I'm sure this information is available, but I don't know it. Um, I don't know if they were sitting on the tax, like taxi. Like, I don't know if they were sitting on the runway for all that time with everybody loaded up. And so when they, when they internally decided to take off, which was their judgment call to make, if they just mentally skipped all these steps. But, and, and I know that I'm sure all of us have this experience. If you skip a bunch of steps at the beginning of something that can really get you set off in the wrong direction, right? Like you can, I don't know, just when you forget to do something that you do every other day first thing in the morning it can just like set your day off in the wrong direction completely and so in this whole thing this entire story from beginning to end is like three minutes of real time so it's an incredibly short period of time where all of these things went wrong so if they're just not focused and not in the right headspace yeah and it's, I mean, with all the other factors too, it's late, it's raining, it's all like, right. There's so right. many other factors in play there too. Right. Right. So that, I mean, that the methodical nature of aviation, like the, the very standardized, um, manualized way that pilots operate is very much for this reason right this is why and it's why again like to go back around to it it's why flying is safe is because it is highly manualized it is you know there are checklists for everything but yeah if the pilots just don't do the checklists and just if you don't (laughs) you know if you just don't do it then (sighs) yeah so yeah, thank you to Pierre for suggesting this story. I I wasn't familiar with it. I um yeah. made a all of our favorite show did an episode about yeah. this, but I uh did not find it. And on oh, YouTube I'd be interested. Oh, you couldn't find it. Yeah. I couldn't find it and on YouTube oh. they have um an Aries flight is like mislabeled like an episode about an Aries flight is mislabeled as this flight. So even the one that says it's about this flight, isn't about this flight, which is like, if somebody, somebody's posting entire episodes of a TV show for free, who am I to complain? But, but I would like to find it. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, I'd be interested in their, like how they tell it in their kind of take. I mean, they don't really give too many opinions, I guess, but no, but it's just like anything with reenactment. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Well, and I feel like this situation specifically can be interpreted so many different ways that I think it would be, it's, it's, I, I am curious to see how other people tell it. Like if they are just completely bashing, you know, like if, if like large publications are just completely bashing the pilots. Right. Which again, I, I get it. Right. Because the shortest retelling of this story is just like no one was flying the plane and then when they noticed no one was flying it they crashed it and it was a brand new plane and like that everything about that is terrible right right yeah but yeah is your fact about mangroves (laughs) 
my fact is about trees and stars. Oh, it is? That's great. <laughs> yeah. See, we're on the same um, page. Yeah, we're on the same page. Um, this is, you know, this is a fact. This is a fact. But it's also a fact that is, that may be debatable. Um, because there's no 100% certainty to, uh, like, scientific data that we can necessarily point to other okay. than estimates. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's mm-hmm. the disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> for this fact. I accept. But did you but did you know that there are more trees on planet Earth than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy? What? Yeah, there are apparently between 100 billion and 400 billion stars okay. and one uh 3.04 trillion trees. Apparently. Yeah. Um, most of the trees are tropical and like subtropical sure. forests, of course. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. and I mean, you know, there's like no real way to actually measure or like count. Right. Like, yeah. Um, right. But yeah, like based on NASA estimates of, um, oh. Yeah, like just studying like right. space and how distance and all of that stuff works there. Right. Well, NASA can sub- look at both, right? They can like right, look exactly. at stars and then turn yeah. around and look at a space and like exactly. estimate how many yeah. trees. Holy cow. And I like, Holy. but just the thought of like three trillion trees. Like, I, I don't know, I guess the just like that constant worry that we're running out of fucking trees. Well, <laughs> I'm that's, thinking there's like... That's, oh, 500,000 trees left in the world (laughs) but that's what made me think of but that's what I thought of is like holy cow there used to be so many more trees right (laughs) right right. there used to be like there used to be redwoods like all the way up to Ohio like we used to have so many more trees globally I think it was was estimated like I think it was estimated um it's somewhere in the article that I read but I think it was like so there's there's three trillion trees about, and there's, um, I think it was 20 billion trees a year, or maybe it's a day. I don't know. Don't quote me on that fact. That's not my fact. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but it was yeah. like a significant amount of fucking trees a day. Uh, are cut down. That are, that are cut down. Yeah. Yeah. It's. <sighs> it's. Anyways. Yeah. I know. Like oh, every year. Here it is. 15 billion trees are cut down every year. Right. Which is still a lot of trees, even if it's not it's a lot like of fucking trees. High percentage of total trees. trees. Right. Yeah. And I know that, like, obviously there are, uh, like, sustainable forestry practices. And then yeah. there are people, like, cutting down huge swaths of land to... That will not be replaced. That is just permanently, like permanent deforestation. Right. Permanent deforestation. Permanent. Whatever. But the, <laughs> yeah, in like, like there is very unsustainable forestry practices and then there's very sustainable forestry practices. And like, I don't yeah. want to. Um, I still feel like legitimately guilty when i think about how i feel like i broke your heart that time we were having a oh my bonfire God. i did break your heart i'm so you sorry it's okay i'm so sorry i needed to know the- i needed to know and i you needed to tell me 
for, for, for reference friends <laughs> what we're talking about is um we were having a wonderful bonfire in the back of mariah's <laughs> old house which is very nice but oh. whatever the context was for some reason i said that like when like trees capture carbon because they are carbon right they they inhale carbon and then they make the carbon their body and then when you burn it it re-releases the carbon right which is it doesn't make burning wood a sin i'm so sorry no, it, doesn't. You. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> but it doesn't that's where all. like building things out of wood like houses and things like traps that carbon long term right so that's like yeah. a very there's like very good sustainable practices you can do where you if you cut down a tree and turn it into something that will outlive the tree and then you plant another tree where the old tree was that's you know total carbon capture has improved right so right, right. but then there's obviously real bad practices and yeah. really bad deforestation yeah. deforestization it can't be that it has Deforest. to be deforestation i think it's deforestation yeah it has to be right because no one would make a word that was deforestation <laughs> <laughs> no one would choose to say that deforestation but... yeah that sounds right mangroves are trees i would yeah. really like i don't know if there's mangroves in costa rica spoilers guys that's where we're going <laughs> um yeah. to get a lot of dumb work <coughs> hi but um the i wonder if there's mangroves in costa rica i would really like to i think so just yeah check I think it so. out and there's no crocodiles in costa rica right i someone would have said something right there actually i think there's like a special like breeding ground for cro crocodiles it's <laughs> like a special really? i could be wrong maybe it's sea turtles Sea turtles would be so be much better. Turtles. Yeah, I think it's like, sea turtles, that's actually. Not, that's like saying there's <laughs> either going to be like rabid dogs <laughs> or like kittens. Like I cannot explain the amount of Australian zoo YouTube content I consume. Mm -hmm. So it's just this brain is just filled with crocs all day. Very good. Yeah, I... um but I think it's a no thank you from me, but yeah, yeah, be <laughs> yeah, I would flip out if I saw a sea turtle. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's like a thing on the coast. The sea turtles come and like bury their eggs around the time we're going. That's great. Yeah, that's that's yes, a plus sea turtles right? lay your eggs here. Right? I watch a lot of turtle YouTube, like a lot of like, tor great. like tortoises with their yeah. like buddies and. That's pretty cute, but I grew up with turtles. My parents still have turtles. Yeah, we had a pet turtle and like two land turtles because no matter what anyone says, turtle <laughs> is literally an accurate word for the whole fam. Like turtle is perfectly accurate for land turtles. I know that they are also tortoises, but turtle is correct. But anyway. I don't know. So uh, that's what we're going to get emails about. No one's going to yeah. correct the aviation <laughs> stuff, but fine. I accept. I accept the emails under any circumstances. So Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But cool. yeah, I mean, if you, speaking of that, right, and yeah. like our dear darling Pierre sent us this one, and if you have an idea for a flight that you'd like us to do besides UA232, no, you should tell me if you want to do it because it probably will take pressure for me to stop hoarding it because it is... I really 
it's like the one that got me into aviation like i yeah uh, yeah but um but if you have an idea for a flight you'd like us to do by all means send it to us and if you have pictures of your backyard send it to us and if you make music send it to us we just want to we just want to elevate you yeah we want to like we have a very small platform and we would like you to also have that same platform with us mm-hmm. so yeah cool <sighs> i love you mariah i love you too casey thanks for telling that story thank you for listening and i love all of you and i will see you all next week sounds good Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you to our dear buddy Pierre for uh, suggesting this flight. If you have a flight that you'd like us to do or if you want to reach us for any other reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Thank you to those of you who actually did already message us on Instagram and we did not see the messages because I've been in charge of the Instagram for a minute and I don't know how to use it. So uh, thank you to those of you who did reach out to us uh, and for being so gracious when we finally found your messages. Um, We love and adore each and every one of you and uh, we look forward to seeing you back next week. Thanks for listening.